it's Megan Barber. And I'm Philip Gallion. And we just want to thank you so much for tuning into today's episode on the Annunciation of the Lord. Um, this will be a very special and very different format today. In the middle of Lent, we get to pause on the upcoming crucifixion of Jesus and talk about the news of his miraculous conception. We are reminded that Jesus was brought into this world through the same way that we are. He put on flesh and blood. He cried. He needed nurturing and was even held in the arms of his mother, Mary. We also celebrate on this day the life-changing news that Mary received as the good news always changes the life of its hearers. Let's hear these words from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him to the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. So, Megan, what do you make of Mary's response to the angel Gabriel? Every time I hear this story, I am amazed at how trusting Mary is in God. She asked the question about, you know, how can this be? Since, you know, it's impossible. That's why we get to the whole thing about this being the impossible conception, knowing that. Jesus is born of God and of human nature. But again, I'm always taken back of just her trusting and her acceptance that she is going to carry the Son of God into the world and that she doesn't ask any more questions. She just says, here I am. I am your servant. It makes me wonder how many times do I fight back on God (laughs) when God asks me to do something? Yeah, because you you look at this passage and and I'm sure for Mary, who like a lot of historians, they believe that she was no more than like 13 or 14 years old. And so, like, mm-hmm. you know, trying to look back on, you know, your 13 or 14 year old self and and putting yourself in, in Mary's shoes as you know, as best you can and, and understanding that you've got this major responsibility and this major it's not a burden, but it's, um, you, you know, yeah, like I said, it's, it's it's a responsibility and a great one at that. And the fact that she didn't, again, didn't ask too many questions in our passage, it it goes to show how deep her 
her faith was. And so like, that was, Mm -hmm. you know, that was something that, that really stood out to me. Yeah. Cause that was definitely a very vulnerable situation for her knowing that she was engaged to be married to Joseph. And in that time to be made impure before you were married, you know, that was a crime. Mary could have been stoned for having carried a baby outside of marriage. And it was, like I said, a very vulnerable time, but yet she trusted God even in the midst of her vulnerability, which she didn't have that many right in that day yeah. to protect herself. I also imagine what it would be like to be visited by an angel, right? You know, you're, you're sitting there asleep, you're sitting there, you know, watching TV, you know, whatever the, you know, whatever the case may be. And then this angelic being appears and they're bringing this this incredible news that that I'm sure was probably a little too or at least seemed to be too good to be true in that moment. And so like the the sense of startling, but you know, it, it also goes back to what you were talking about, the the vulnerability that she had to have to and the at least the humbleness to accept this and to say, okay, like this is this is not gonna be easy from a cultural perspective, but if this is where you're calling me to, like it's where I'm gonna go. Yeah, it is very interesting her response to the angel because it even said that she was very perplexed and pondered what sort of greeting this would be. I guess an angel coming after you probably makes you think that you're fixing to leave this world. (laughs) Right. Um, Or, you know, you're wondering like, am I okay? Am I, (laughs) am I having some kind of hallucination or something? Mm. And so even you can tell the fear that Mary even had, But the angel said, do not be afraid. And I think that ended up being comforting. We see those words so much throughout scripture of do not be afraid from the Old Testament through the new. That is what God tells us, that we shouldn't fear the situations that we are in and trust that God will protect us even in our vulnerabilities. How might you have responded, Philip, if you were the one told this? (laughs) an obvious difference in this story is that I am, I am male and Mary was female. Like I can't necessarily put myself totally in her shoes, but at the same time, I know that there are things in my life that God has asked me to do that I've really bucked up against, whether it be a college choice or having to to deal with tough family matters or just things in my life that have seemed very impossible or seem very unrealistic I've always had to lean on my faith. And again, you talked about too, the the passages of scripture that, you know, do not be afraid, trust in me. It's hard to lean on that from a, from a realistic perspective when you're faced with hard choices, hard decisions, and how to respond to what seems impossible. But I think part of it is the, or the point of all of the things that we go through sometimes is that, no, we're not going to be able to do this on our own. Like we need to be able to be humble enough to admit that we need God's like God's guidance and strength to get us through what seems impossible. It, you know, Hebrews, it talks about faith being something we can't see. And as, as human beings, we, we like to be able to put tangible concepts onto abstract ideas. We like to be able to, to see what we're believing in. Yeah, we like to see what we're giving to. We like to be able to, again, have tangible solutions to abstract ideas. And so I probably at, at first would not have responded as well as Mary did. Yeah, I would not have either. I think I probably would have 
argued yeah. with the angel and said, you know what? You're not real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this isn't real. Yeah. So, yeah, I would not have accepted that fate, especially if I put myself in Mary's shoes and the culture in which she was in, which, I mean, the age of 13, 14 is a little bit different than the age of 13, 14 today. But I still think that would have been too young to have wanted that kind of responsibility. I mean, she had just got engaged, you know, and so they've been planning this whole wedding festival and this comes out of nowhere. I don't think I could have just said, here I am. (laughs) (laughs) No, absolutely. Absolutely. So Megan, you have a daughter and Mm -hmm. her name's Gwen and she is three and she's really cool. And I was wondering what, for you, what was it like to find out that you were expecting Gwen? I actually had never wanted to have kids. Mm -hmm. And so that went back a long time ago. Just, I just had never felt like that was what I was going to do in life. And And so, but it came to a point where you get to a point where you have uh, so much love (laughs) between you and your spouse and it's time to to share that with someone else. And so, you know, we decided to have a kid. And when I found out that I was expecting, I was a little shocked too, because again, going back from not having wanted one to changing my mind and you know, have all these questions like, am I, am I ready to do this? Mm -hmm. You know, all these apprehensions about being pregnant and what that meant and what I would have to go through and, and all of those things was concerning, but it was also a joy. There was nothing like sitting down and seeing that first ultrasound Mm. and seeing, you know, people always say that there's their little baby looks like a peanut on there. (laughs) Right. Mine looked like a baby. <laughs> yeah. Like I could see her ears and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was just amazing. And and I think that that gave me the courage. I always say that Gwen has actually made me a much stronger person yeah. because of the grace that I just felt with God during that time. God was so present in my pregnancy and and just knowing that God was forming Gwen in my womb and, and just knowing that intimacy there. Um, it was a very moving spiritual time for me as well as preparing to be a mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my wife, Sarah and I, we got married in 2015 and we kind of had a blended family situation where she brought in two boys from a previous marriage. Andrew at the time was, I think like 11 or 12 and Christopher was four or five and, you know, I got to be an instant stepdad. And and as we were dating, I kind of got the hang of like what it was like to parent a elementary school and middle schooler. And and then as Sarah and I started talking about like what our future would look like with with other kids. And we decided that we did want one of one of our quote unquote own, like my two boys, Andrew and Christopher, they're mine, you know, as from a family perspective, like I treat them like my own. But we decided that, like, biologically, we wanted to be able to bring another human into the world. And I remember Sarah and her mom and the boys, the older two, went on a cruise. And that's where Sarah found out that she was pregnant with Nathan. And so she had to sit on that information. It was like a 10-day cruise. She had to sit on that information for, like, six days. She wouldn't tell anybody. And I remember her coming home and just dropping the bags at the front door. And I was in our bedroom putting away laundry. And she comes in and shows me the pregnancy test. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so, like, it was really incredible 
but getting ready and hurrying up and waiting and being able to, you know, put the crib together and get all the diapers and baby showers. Like that was a whole new world and a whole new experience for me. And it was terrifying almost, you know, I could take the boys to school, help them make breakfast. You know, Christopher at the time was playing baseball. So like taking Christopher to baseball, practicing games, but like, we're talking about it, like a newborn here. Like it's a whole different ball game. And to understand that, like we, you know, Sarah and I were in charge of like, you know, nurturing and caring for Nathan and, and doing all the things that come with having a newborn, all the prep work that had to be put into it. Like it was an overwhelming experience, but it's actually funny. We're recording this on the, on March 23rd, which is actually Nathan's fourth birthday today. Like when he was born, I saw like you were talking about God's grace come to fruition. Like it was something tangible that I could see mm -hmm. and that I could hold. It was, it was an overwhelming experience for sure. Yes, I, I think that's amazing that Sarah sat with the information for six days. Because as soon as I found out, Stephen was actually, he was working with Room at the Inn in Florence. And so he was working with the homeless ministry. And I ended up calling him, I think probably like at one o'clock in the morning, because he would stay overnight. Yeah. And I said, Stephen, you might want to come home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I couldn't wait to the next morning yeah. to tell him. But I could never know what Mary's uh, situation was, but it, it is comforting to know that people have for centuries been dealing with unexpected news or, you know, just a surprise of uh, finding out that they're having a child. Later, Mary goes on and, and she visits her cousin Elizabeth, who we were told in this passage is pregnant with John the Baptist, who would become the preparer of the way of the Lord. When Mary tells Elizabeth what the angel had told her, baby John jumped with joy in her womb. <laughs> and then we get probably the most beautiful part of this whole story is Mary's song of praise or what we call the Magnificat mm -hmm. in Luke 1, 46 through 55. So here are the words that Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. And holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. What do you make of Mary's song here, Philip? What really stands out to me in this passage is Mary's, as young as she was, like ha having that 10,000 foot view already of what Jesus was going to do on earth and like how she connected the pieces from the Hebrew Bible and like remember those words and the foresight that she had to be strong enough to sing this song, right? Because as again, she was in a very vulnerable place, but for her to see how everything connected from the Hebrew Bible until that very moment or what scripture foretold about Jesus before 
all of this, for her to reference Abraham, for her to reference Israel, that took an incredible amount of studying and an incredible amount of foresight for her to at least see part of the bigger picture that not a lot of people had the foresight to have. Yeah, because there is some very interesting language that Mary uses here. She uses one of kind of a a deliverer, which really highlights the deliverance from the Israelites who left Egypt and were brought out of slavery and how God had delivered and provided for generations and generations. And then here is God made flesh going to come and deliver all the world. And to see that Jesus is God with us. That's exactly what Emmanuel means. And so instead of God intervening on the outside, God is coming in to the world to intervene right there. And I think that as we look and as we prepare for Holy Week next week, and we see these things that they say about Jesus and about how he scattered the proud and the thoughts of their heart how he bring down the powerful from the thrones and lift up the lowly, how he fills the hungry with good things and, and all of these things. We see this in the ministry of Jesus. And then we experience it in our lives through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think when we look at the Annunciation of our Lord, you know, we're reminded that God is always working in us, through us and around us. I'm reminded at least that we have a Savior who will love us even in the midst of our brokenness, and that we have a Savior who will seek to restore us. And the idea that Jesus is our hope and our salvation, and knowing that framework and knowing that backdrop as we move into the Holy Week, how might the Annunciation of our Lord inform our Lenten practice? It kind of brings back the cycle of what we call in the church world, the Christ event from Jesus's conception until his ascension. We move through that throughout the liturgical year, the church year. So I think it really brings that a very cohesive balance into that to know that Jesus was born to die, to be brought back to life so that we can have life. And I just think that it really brings God's plan for the world in full center when we pause for the Annunciation of the Lord in the midst of our land. And I think that as we pray and as we look towards the cross and towards Resurrection Sunday, that we give God our brokenness. We confess that brokenness to God, trusting Him in the midst of our vulnerability because our brokenness makes us vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And then allowing God to resurrect us. The cool thing about the resurrection is that we get to live into it in our life as we will one day at the great resurrection. That God resurrects that brokenness and restores it and puts it back Mm -hmm. together. And I think that's something that can really be at our forefront as we move into Holy Week. Well, and too, like when we have this realization And for me, I have it every Holy Week of, you know, the resurrection and the story of Jesus. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, there's a line, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have this understanding and this realization that we are living at least a small part of the kingdom of God right now. And we as Christians need to be living like it. It's a big term called realized eschatology where we are, we're living in the here and now like the kingdom of heaven is here. We just haven't necessarily made that shift 
in our minds yet, but knowing like when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that is ushering in God's action and God's kingdom in our world today. And I think that is what we're called to live into. And I think that you look at the ministry of Jesus, it's what he's saying, that there's the inbreaking of the kingdom and it's in the here and the now, but it'll be at the fullest at the second coming of Christ. That's what we look Mm -hmm. forward to. And I think that as we celebrate the conception of Jesus and his coming to earth today on the Annunciation of the Lord, that we also get to celebrate his death and his resurrection and know that one day he's coming back again to restore the earth back to its fullness. So as we prepare to close with prayer, I want to invite you into the spirit of Holy Week now as we are moving into Palm Sunday and as we prepare for the road to Calvary and then as we prepare for the resurrection of Jesus, that we become intentional about this and that we breathe in Jesus and breathe out hope. So let us pray. God of impossibilities, you chose to enter human flesh through the one who called herself lowly. Teach us who daily receive announcements of Christ's coming to live as Mary did, trusting in your power to bring your desire to fulfillment. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for listening today, and I hope that you all have a blessed week. You've been listening to Seasons at Stone River from the church at Stone River in Decatur, Alabama. 